Hallelujah. Glory. Glory. Hallelujah. Well, while you're uh, standing or seated, let's go ahead and lift our hands and give God thanks for His goodness, His mercy, His grace. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. What a privilege to live in this day. Lord, we just have such an expectation, anticipation of what's in the works. We're not waiting, Lord. It's not something way down the road. We got our toes in the water. And like the prophet of old that we see back in, uh, in Ezekiel, where we see back there where he said to, the angel took him out there, measured out about a third of a mile, took him out and he was ankle deep. But then he measured another third and took him out and he was knee deep. And then he measured another third and he took him out and he was waist deep. And he kept taking him deeper and deeper until the waters were so deep you couldn't walk in it, you just swim. Yes. Father, thank you. We're so uh, expectant. That we're not looking for the river. We already know where it is. And we're not even trying to find out when you're going to start moving. You already are. We've already got our feet in the waters. And so, Father, we're just anticipating what you have, not only for uh, our lives, uh, this church, the churches represented here, this city, this region, and this nation. Father, we know. We know where sin abounds, grace much more abounds. When the enemy comes in. Like a flood, the Spirit of God raises up a standard against him. The flood's on our side. Hallelujah. The standard has been raised up. Jesus was the standard raised up. Now, Father, thank you. The seed's been sown. My goodness, dear Father, all over this nation. Revival after revival after revival has taken place in this nation. And everyone has sown a seed from coast to coast, north, south, east, and west. All those seeds are there. Now, Father, all we need is rain. Hallelujah. So, Father... Let it rain. Let it rain. Let it rain. And now, Lord, we know that you said, ask you, Lord, Zechariah 10, 1, ask you, the Lord, rain in the time of. No use asking for rain when it's in between seasons. Don't need it then. But when it's time for rain, we need to ask. And, Father, we have a sense in our own hearts that it's rain time. It's gully washer time. It's monsoon season. And so we thank you for it, Father. Rain on this area. Rain all over this area. Hallelujah. Rain on this section of the state. Glory to God. In fact, rain all over the state of California. Rain all over. Rain all over America, all over north, south, east, and west. Lord, we could pray around the world, but we have such a stirring in our heart that there's some things you're in the process of doing in this great nation because of what the forefathers prayed. We thank you for it, Father. We thank you for the service tonight. In the wonderful name of Jesus, glory to God. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Well, you can be seated. Glory. glory to God. Hallelujah. Praise God. I, have a, I do have a great anticipation of what I believe God's in the process of doing uh, in our nation. Uh, we're not waiting for it. It's already in the works. It's already started. And you can't judge what God's doing by what he's doing in America. You know, you can't say, well, you know, God, there's, things are tough, things are bad, you know. You can't say, well, this is what God is or isn't doing by only looking uh, from the East Coast to the West Coast and the Canadian border to the Mexican border. You can't look at that and say, this is what God's doing in the earth. There are places, they're, they're having amazing moves of God in the earth. And just, you know, just because we don't see certain things here doesn't mean God's not doing them. It just means that some places have got some things moving that we don't have here today. But they're in the works. They're in the works. And I'm, I'm so convinced when you begin to read up on, on uh, our, our nation and what, uh, what's taken place uh, in the past, mm-hmm. 
And, you know, you go back through and, and uh, you know, we've, we've had, we're, we're due a revival. We're due a revival. Say, how do you know that? Well, if you go back through, you'll find that, uh, you know, our nation, my goodness, it looked like we were down, it looked like we were going down for the third time. I mean, it, by 1800, we were a mess. Our America was, I mean, they were, they were burying masses of people all over the nation dying of alcoholism. You, you could go to, to university campuses. You, there were time, campuses you couldn't find a Bible on the entire campus. And when they did have Bibles, they were in secret clubs, taking secret notes in their secret meetings because they were afraid someone was going to find out they were Christians. They were having public Bible burning parties on university campuses in America by 1800. That's how bad it was. Looked like this wonderful experiment called democracy wasn't going to make it. Don't ever let anybody kid you. Democracy will make it as long as there's somebody that wants it to. And, uh, you know, it looked like it wasn't going to make it. And, and, uh, but, uh, you know, it was, and it was the frontier time. I mean, you know, uh, K- uh, Kentucky was the frontier. <laughs> and they had an area of Kentucky that was, that's where all, there, there was a, an area of Kentucky where all the, uh, a lot of the uh, folks running from the law <laughs> well, needed a place to go where they wouldn't be looked after because they knew they could, and they could go to this area because nobody had the nerve to come in and look after. They weren't looking for them. If they got that far, they're going to be safe. So it's a pretty rough area of the country. And um, there's a guy out there, a pastor out there named James McGrady. And uh, he just decided, you know, my goodness, that no use letting this nation go down the drain. So he began to contacting pastors around the, the, the nation that he knew of and asked them to, he said, let's, let's take the first, I think, he, I think it was the first Monday of every month. It wasn't anything extreme at all. Let's take the first Monday of every month and let's just pray. Let's pray and wait on God. The first Monday, let's pray for a move of God in our nation. Well, it's a bunch of pastors said, okay, we'll do that. So they began praying. There's never been a move of God in our nation or anywhere else, never been a major move of God that was not preceded by a move of prayer. Every, every move was preceded by a move. Prayer processes the plan of God. Prayer is what reaches out and takes hold of what God. Prayer is what finds out what God wants to do and asks Him to do it. And so they began to pray. And I don't know how long that went, but finally, after a period of time, they said... Uh, um, let's just, um, let's have a communion service. So they centralized and decided to have a communion service wherever they were. I don't even know what region of the country, state I should say it was. They had a communion service and when they did, 5,000 people showed up for a communion service. Wow. I don't know about you, that's a pretty good group. Yeah. It'd be a good, good group today, much less back when, when the nation was just, just getting started. And, um, and, uh, and it, it, there was a, a Holy Ghost explosion that started out. And there's a move of God that went all over the known part of, of the, you know, the, the place that had been uh, you know, developed into cities, states, whatever. The, really the eastern part of America. There's a move of God that broke out there. And it, it covered the whole, that whole eastern section of the nation. And, uh, and, and a move of God broke out and our, the whole atmosphere of our nation changed. But by 1850, we're back in the same trouble again. By 1850, we're in a mess again, but there's a guy named uh, 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 um, Lamphere, I believe it was. Jeremiah Lamphere, I believe his name was, uh, in New York City. Same thing again, so he called a prayer meeting, upper room of the Dutch Reformed Church. Called a prayer meeting, 12 people showed up. Oh, most folks would have quit, you know. Well, we called a prayer meeting, only 12 people in a whole city showed up. But he didn't get discouraged, he just kept calling prayer meetings. Well, before long, more people started coming. And all of a sudden, the wind of the Spirit blew on that. When it did, they, before long, they got prayer meetings here, and they got one here, and they got one. There was one guy that reported that one day he took a trip all over New York City, 
to just and, and found prayer meetings going all over the city. It got to where the, the business owners um, all signed agreements to close their businesses down from 12 to 1 every day so people could go to prayer meetings. And the folks wouldn't say, well, you know, this one's closed, so I'll go to this one. So everybody just closed their businesses, and it began to go all over the nation. Prayer meetings got started. And a move of God broke out that went all over, really all over America, went across the pond, got over into Europe. They say that over a million people were born again just as a result of that one revival. So 50 years later, by, you know, by 1900, we're in a mess again. So you've got, you know, you got uh, uh, Frank Bartleman and, of course, Brother Seymour. Uh, They'd been in Topeka, Kansas, and then down into, was it Texas, I think? And then came out, you know, of course, to sunny California. And uh, got out here to Azusa Street, and they just kept right on praying. What they do? They prayed, 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 prayed. Didn't get ex- didn't get exhausted, didn't get frustrated. I don't think. Just kept right on praying, and uh, they prayed until folks started getting baptized in the Holy Ghost. And it wasn't a huge wave that hit, but it turned into a major wave, and and it went all over the world. Yeah. Fifty years later, we're in a mess again. Did you ever notice back in the Old Testament, God had what He called the Jubilee? How often was that? See, God knows about, you know, generation is basically 50 years, and God knows whatever one generation gets, the next one loses. There's no such thing as a two-generation revival. Any generation that gets it, by the end of that generation, the next bunch is going to lose it. I heard a guy say one time, really, the first generation are the pioneers, the second one are the defenders of the faith, and the third one are the museum keepers. And that's not a criticism, that's just humanity. And uh, so here we are, 1800, we're a mess. A move of prayer, a revival. 1850, we're a mess. A move of prayer, a revival. 1900, we're a mess. A move of prayer, a revival. 1950, we're a mess. Been through two world wars. We got the, the nation's a mess. But folks got to praying again. Really, 1947, the divine healing revival, the voice of healing, the divine healing revival broke out. Went from 1947 roughly to 1958. Changed the course of America. Brought the truth of divine healing back into our nation again. So we got 1800, 1850, 1900, 1950. Well, 50 years later, where are we at? A mess again. But don't let it bother you. This is a jubilee time. Every, every generation gets something. By the time they go, we lose it, and God has to breathe a fresh breath of the Spirit, fresh wind of the Spirit, and so we just get started all over again. So by the time we hit about 2,000, we should be looking for another fresh wind of the Spirit to blow again. But it doesn't happen without a move of prayer. So don't be surprised if you start seeing more and more prayer meetings, people praying that didn't think they liked to pray, prayer meetings being called that may not start out huge, but all of a sudden the Spirit of God will blow on it. The wind of the Spirit will just breathe on Something's in the works. But there's no shortcut. It's not, well, where's this thing going to break out? It's going to break out on the backside of a move of prayer. There's no shortcut. And I'm glad, because why would we want anything that it doesn't take time with God to get it? Why would we want something produced by the flesh that you can only have by the Spirit? Hallelujah. I'm just telling you something in the works. There's something in the works. You know, I am so encouraged right now. I, you know, it's like, oh boy, the nation's a mess, you know, politically and financially, economically, you know, socially. The, hey, the nation's in a mess. Oh, that's just the kind of thing God likes to come in and straighten out because no human can do it. And when it gets straightened out, everybody knows. See, revival is just simply the inrush of the Spirit into a body that threatens to become a corpse. 
Revival is a restoration of the Spirit of God to the degree the community knows God's there without anybody saying a word. Okay? And anytime you get to where all of a sudden even the church world isn't real interested in the presence of God, that's time for the presence of God to invade the church. (laughs) Now, he doesn't go where he's not invited, but trust me, God's always got 7,000 that haven't bowed their knees to Baal. God's always got a bunch of ragtag, wild, you know, crazy folks like this that will go to church on a Tuesday night hungry for the Holy Ghost. Hungry for something. Not just, God, give me something. It's, God, we've got to have something. It's not, God, just do something for me. It's, God, use me to do something for somebody else. Hallelujah. Well, you know, we, uh, you, we, we need to talk about things. You know, I, I, I've spent years, uh, years studying um, revivals, uh, moves of God, miracles. that I've read Wigglesworth books, John Lake books, Marie Woodworth Edder books, Amy Semple McPherson books. I've read all that because I want to know what God did. Okay? Not just because I want to keep the museum. I want to know what, what God did because He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He never changes. He said, I'm the Lord, I change not. If I can find what He ever did, I have a great expectation. And he'll do it again. And if He did it back then, it's going to come back stronger. Okay? But see, there's a need to talk about some of these things. And, um, <clears throat> you know, I've, I've got a friend of mine that he's, he's always picking at me. I probably deserve most of it because I pick back. But... But, you know, he's always, he says, well, how come you're always, you know, how come you're always preaching about where we're going instead of, you know, we, we got, we, why not preach about where we are? I said, I already know where I am. <laughs> and you got to preach some things about where you're going. You got to have both. Okay. Yeah. Because preaching where you're going puts vision into us, puts expectation. And our expectation is his invitation. Okay. And there's something about that. Remember back there, um, especially with healings, miracles, signs, and wonders. Um, in fact, if you want, you can go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. I think we're going to go there. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 1. And, um, you know, um, if you go back through the Old Testament, remember back there, the, the glory is the manifested presence of God. Glory is just the word out of the Hebrew, the word kabod, which basically means heavy. Glory is God's manifested presence when it comes in heavy. Yeah. Now, I don't know about you. I, I love it when God comes in heavy. I love it when the presence of God gets just so thick. You know, I, yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's hard to explain what it is, but we, all of us know what it isn't. <laughs> we, you know, we've all had those services. I know you never do here, but, but, you know, but you go back through in the Old Testament and you'll see when the glory of God manifested, Second Chronicles, the fifth chapter, uh, when the singers and praisers became as one. So we know singing and praising has to do with bringing the presence of God in. Okay? Uh, the seventh chapter, at the finish of Solomon praying at the dedication of Solomon's temple, seventh chapter, around verse 1 of Second Chronicles, said when he finished praying, the presence of God filled the place. So that the priests couldn't even, they couldn't even get into the building. Second Chronicles 5, they couldn't stand up. Second Chronicles, the seventh chapter, they couldn't even get in the building. Could you imagine going to church, showing up at church here on a Sunday morning or wherever your home church is? Could you imagine showing up at church and standing outside and people are going, why are you standing outside in the parking lot? We can't get in the building. Why? Is it locked? No, there's a big bright cloud in there and we can't get in. Yeah, right. Just, just, do you know how many people would show up the next week? Woo, that, that, that church has a, a cloud in it that shows up. And, and if you get in the middle of it, you get healed, delivered, set free. Well, so we see things that, that will enhance 
you know, it's not working God. It's not trying to twist his arm. It's cooperating with him. It's positioning ourselves to work with where the Holy Ghost are. You know, it's, well, you know, you can't push God. Last I checked, he was wanting to manifest himself. So you can see back there, Second Chronicles 5, the singers and the praisers became as one. So praise and worship will enhance the presence of God. Make a world of difference. Okay? Our song services aren't just something to take up time till everybody gets to church. Amen? Well, you know, as soon as that's over, I'm going to church. Get the word. Well, you know, sometimes it's really good to get into praise and worship time. We're going to have, you, you mark my word, we're going to have services where we get over into a spirit of praise or a spirit of worship. And, and it'll just take the whole service. But I'll tell you what, when we're done, we're going to know God has been in the house. Yeah, you can't pre-plan that. I mean, you can, but it's, you can't pre-plan the presence of God invading a service like that. You know, you can have a, a night worship service or something. We do that at times. You can plan and it's good. But when it comes spontaneous by the Holy Ghost, by the leading of the Spirit of God, that means God's got something planned for that. Following the Spirit of God, you'll always have the Spirit. Follow the glory, you'll always have the glory. Follow the anointing, you'll always have the anointing. <laughs> so, so you know, one thing that will enhance the presence of God is praise and worship. Okay? We don't, we don't praise and worship God to get Him to show off, but He will show off when we praise and worship Him. Understand that? We praise Him and worship Him because He's worthy of it. And when we do that, we open the door where he can do anything he really desires to do to start with. Yes. If we just understood the, 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 the importance of the presence of God. I mean, stop think about this. Mark, the fifth chapter, verse 25, certain woman, you know, had an issue of blood 12 years, suffered many things of many physicians, spent all she had, nothing better, but rather grew worse. I mean, she's, this is not just a chronic disease. This is terminal. She spent all of her money. She suffered many things of many physicians. Medical science, thank God for medical science, but sometimes it's painful. Suffered many things of many physicians. Got the best medical treatment apparently she could afford and spent all of her money. She's flat broke by the time she got done. And she's nothing better, but instead she's getting worse. She's on a downward slope to, de- to die. And I mean, it's, it's not working. When she heard of Jesus, came in the press behind and touched his garment. For she said, if I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. Straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body she's healed of that plague. In other words, she's instantly healed. Think about this though. Somebody told, I love this. You know, she didn't take a 14-month correspondence course. We get the impression to get faith for healing. I'm going to have to get into this. I'm going to have to study for at least two years. And you know, that may be too long. We don't know what somebody said, but somebody must have said something in passing. We we don't see where she had a, a, a long teaching session, although those are good. Just said when she heard of Jesus, apparently somebody just went by and said, Man, lady, you got a problem, but I know who can take care of you. Jesus is a healer. That's all she, apparently that's all she needed to hear. Do you know one word like that can just change your life? Yeah. Or one word from you can change somebody else's life. That's right. Sometimes you're just walking up to somebody and going, yeah, I know life's tough, but I tell you, I know who's got the answer. Yeah. You may not be the one to reap the harvest off that, but you can sow a seed. Amen. The person that told her about Jesus may have never known what happened in her life, but they sowed a seed that produced faith in her heart. Don't feel like you have to teach them Genesis to Revelation, index, maps, and everything included. Sometimes it's just going, God's got a great plan for your life. And I'll tell you, sickness is not a part of it. I know a place you can go and they'll pray for you and you'll get your healing. Well, but what if they don't get their healing? That's not your department. That's right. Hallelujah. So anyway, so anyway, 
uh, she, uh, when she heard of, uh, of Jesus, she came in the press behind and touched his garment. She heard something. But stop, think about this. When she heard, she believed, and she talked, and she acted. Yes. She kept saying, she kept saying. One translation, she kept saying within herself. She heard, she said, she acted. But did you notice nothing happened until she came into the presence of the Master? That's good. She's believing, she's talking, she's acting, and nothing happened until she made contact with Jesus. See, a lot of times we're doing all the motions and we're missing the presence. Oh, yeah. Something about, I've seen people, I've watched people. They're doing all the right things. They're, they're believing, they're saying, they're declaring, they're acting, they're doing everything right. And, and nothing's working, but I, I've seen them getting Holy Ghost meetings. Yes. Where, the, where everything's focused on the presence of God. And I like what once I heard one minister say years ago, said, you know, when, when the presence of God has freedom to manifest, that's often when your manifestation has the opportunity to catch up with your confession. Wow. Good. Anyway. Anyway. Yes, yes. Um, where was I? Okay. Um, so, you know, back there you can see the praise and worship. Enhance the presence of God. Well, then you get over to the seventh chapter of Second Chronicles, and, and when they finished, when, when Solomon finished praying, the manifested presence of God showed up. Mm-hmm. So we can see prayer makes a difference. Yeah. Well, which one should we do? Whichever one He's leading in. Yeah. And really, praise and worship is the highest kind of prayer, so they all kind of work together. Yeah. Yeah. But then you get over to uh, John's Gospel, the eleventh chapter. Remember back there. Lazarus' tomb. And Jesus shows up at Lazarus' tomb and, Mar- and Lazarus' sister says, Lord, if you'd, you know, if you'd been here, he wouldn't have died and so on. And verse, verse 40, Mark, uh, John chapter 11, verse 40, Jesus said, didn't I tell you? Yes. In other words, I'm trying to get something across to you. Hello. Yeah. Pay attention. Yeah. Hello. Focus. Focus. <laughs> didn't I tell you already? Didn't I tell you? Apparently, this is something he's already been teaching him. Said I not unto thee. I know he spoke King James. <laughs> If it's good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for me, all right? Well, I mean, goodness, the Apostle Paul wrote all of his letters in King James. No, they are in my Bible. I'm kidding. Anyway, he said, said I not, oh, I'm up here. Said I not unto thee. See, there it is right there. It's on the wall. There you are. Good enough. He said, didn't I tell you? Didn't I already say this to you? If you would praise and worship, no. If you would pray, no. If you would what? Believe. If you'd believe. So now he's brought it from praise and worship to prayer to faith. Those three things will enhance God's ability to come and manifest himself. He's not a bully. He doesn't push his way in. He doesn't say, like it or not, I'm coming in today. He doesn't work that way. Holy Ghost is compared to a dove. It'll just, it'll fly in, but it'll fly right out. You know, he's not easily offended. But if he's not invited, he's not going to show up and show off. So there are things we do. We don't twist God's arm, but we provide uh, an atmosphere. We do things that will enhance God's ability to come do what he already wanted to do. That's praise and worship. That's prayer. That's faith. Okay? Now, we could cover all three of those. We'd be here for a year or two. But, <clears throat> but stop and think about it. How does faith come? Faith cometh by Hearing and hearing by the word of God. So really, there's some things that we really need to talk about, teach about. We need to pray. We need to praise and worship. But if we think all that alone is going to produce a major move of God, there's another facet to it. And that's we're going to have to talk about it, teach it.
preach it. Gonna have to, gonna have to, I, you know, I talk about the miracles that used to happen. And sometimes I get a little tired of talking about what used to happen. So in, in just in recent times, things, God's been cranking up the power. And now we're getting to where we can talk about things that are happening. You know, Sunday night, I think it was, talked about the lady in our church that uh, was full of cancer. And in a service, the glory fell in that place. I didn't see it, but the presence of God fell. She fell. Her husband fell. She finally got up. She laid on the floor, eyes wide open, in a trance, laid on the floor for who knows how long. I found out seven years later that I knew Jesus appeared to her and healed her. Seven years later, I found out there's more to the story. He took her to heaven, walked her around heaven, talked to her about a lot of things about what was coming. It happened in the presence of God. Well, that's a more recent one. That's like eight years old. But there's more. My goodness, we had a service just the other day. Not the other day. Goodness, it's been a few months ago now. Um, a lady in our church that, um, that uh, uh, she, she was having real physical issues. Probably, she's probably 35 years old maybe. 35 to 40, I would say something like that. I'm having trouble guessing that because all of a sudden it's looking younger and younger all the, all the time. <laughs> I'm getting close to 40 myself. I hit 50 and turned around. So anyway, so, so, uh, so anyway, she, uh, something physically hit her. I don't, you know, we we didn't know what it was. And uh, she went into the hospital and they didn't know what it was. Gave her the wrong stuff, almost killed her. And, and uh, she was, you know, almost died and, and, uh, and, and long story short, she ended up um, pretty much paralyzed. She got to where she could get around a little bit, but she was in a wheelchair. And, um, and, and so, she, you know, her husband, would he was one of the ushers in our church. And, you know, he'd roll her up in that wheelchair and get her out. But she, she didn't want to sit in the chair. She wanted to sit in the wheelchair. She wanted to sit in a, one, of the, one of the chairs. So, he, you know, he, she'd sit there in the chair and, and um, he'd roll the wheelchair back out and then come get her after the service. And that was, what, three, about three months like that? Okay, have I got this about right? Okay. So anyway, she's over there, and we're closing the service out on a Sunday morning. Now, I'll back that up. I'm starting to minister on a Sunday morning. And all of a sudden, I got that verse out of Mark, the 8th chapter, where Jesus, they, the, he went to Bethsaida, and they brought a blind man unto him, and besought him that he might lay his hands upon him. And Jesus took the man by the hand and, and took him out of town, and he... And he, uh, <clears throat> he uh, Spit on his eyes. Said, look up. The man looked up and said, he said, I see men as trees walking. In other words, it's not very clear. It's better, but it's not clear. So Jesus laid his hands on him again, and he saw every man clearly. Well, he didn't pray twice. But he had just administered more anointing to the guy. Okay? That's all it was. Okay, he's not, he's not saying, well, that first one didn't work. Let's try another one. He didn't start out in faith, end up in unbelief, and start all over again. He just administered. Laying out of hands will work oftentimes when nothing else will. Because it's a direct contact. Say, so you got scripture for that? Well, of course I do. Mark the sixth, uh, uh, fifth chapter. Yeah, Mark chapter 6, verse 5 is what I'm looking for. Said Jesus went to his own hometown. There he could do no mighty work. Save he laid his hands upon a few sick folk and healed them. When nothing else would work, he could get he- people healed through the laying on of hands. Thank God for the doctrine of laying on of hands. So, he, uh, 
So anyway, so I kept getting that verse and I looked over at this lady, you know, and I walked over and I said, I, I just explained that verse. And I said, you know, we've got this you know, named her over here. And I said, uh, I said I'm just she's already believing God. She's already got her faith working. We've already prayed for. Her. I just have a stirring to come administer some more anointing into her body. Mm-hmm. So everybody reach your hands out toward her. So I walked over, laid hands on her, you know, yeah. and uh, went back up, and, you know, ministered the word, finished my message, finished the service, went back over here. Um, where, uh, you know, our pastoral staff sits over on this side. I went back over while one of the associates was closing the service. And, and my wife just, she elbows me and she says, look at her over there. What's her name? Uh, Alicia. Alicia, thank you. Look at Alicia over there. And, and, and I look at Alicia, she's over here and, and she's grinning. She's standing up grinning and she's doing this. <laughs> so I thought, ooh, stop the service. <laughs> so I just walked over there and I said, and basically they found out what it was, was MS. Isn't that correct? Multiple sclerosis. And that wasn't a good diagnosis or a good prognosis. That's what it was. I mean, she's just having a real issue. And so I get over there and I just walked over. I said, what's going on? And she said, I'm, I'm, I'm better. I said, good. It took all service to get there. Thank God for, I love instant miracles, but if it takes an hour, I won't turn it down. Thank God I preached long. Anyway. <laughs> Oh, dear. Oh, dear. My wife says, oh, dear. So, so I said, well, come on, let's just take a walk. So I kind of held my arm out like that. And she grabbed my elbow and she just, she's kind of walking along. And, and uh, all of a sudden she looks at me and she goes, I, I think I can run. And I said, well, don't let me stand in your way. She just took off just to running. Just, you know, and, and, and I mean, miracles are starting to happen. This, these are not cunningly devised fables. These are not things that used to happen. These, these didn't die off with the first original 12 apostles. I'm telling you, God never changes. We, got, we had another meeting. We are, actually, our missions, you know, people could get healed in a missions conference. We got a missions conference. We had Dr. Terry Law. Anybody hear of Terry Law? Oh, yeah. Um, he, he, we had him come in do one night. I hadn't had a chance to be in one of his services for a long time. And I said, just... Loose him and let him go. Do whatever you got. Well, he shared about some things going on in the nations he's ministering in. And then he taught on angels for a little while. And then he said, I'm just going to pray a mass prayer. I said, hey, it works for me. You know. So he had everybody stand up. And he just prayed just this general calm prayer. And, uh, and then he said, all right, now how many got healed? The hands are going up all over the building. Yeah. Nobody prayed for him, you know, as far as laying hands on him. No, they didn't have people turn around and lay hands on each other that I recall. And... Uh, found out a few days later there was a man that had come into the service and um, his wife wasn't with him. I think it was the first time he'd ever come. I think he heard about the service and he came in and um, he was in that service. Well, he was back on Sunday and I got a chance to talk to him. We found out what had happened was this man had been in the war in Iraq and a roadside bomb went off and and he was right there where it was and uh, it did something to his head. He had brain damage. So he came back. He says, I've been in a fog for years. He was walking with a cane. Fairly young guy. Walking with a cane. He couldn't think straight. He couldn't communicate right. You know, he had some brain damage from a roadside bomb. And he, said, he told me, he said, I was just standing there in that meeting when, when, when that man prayed. And he said, the power of God came on me. And all of a sudden, he dropped his cane down. His thinking cleared up. He's perfectly well. His wife's in our Bible school right now. He's, act, he's just serving God. And he communicates perfectly. He went home a different man. 
And I'm telling you, recent miracles are happening. It's not just the 40s and 50s. There's things taking place. And probably all of us could give great testimonies of what's going on. But all I'm saying is, hang on to your hat. There's something in the works right now. Hallelujah. But we need to talk about these things. I remember, um, um, and I didn't understand it for years. I really didn't even have a need to understand it. But, but I remember uh, Brother Hagen. I, I worked for, for uh, Brother Hagen years ago. Kenneth Hagen, you know, he was, uh, ooh, it was back in the 70s, around 74, <laughs> that I, uh, uh, that I got a chance to, I, I, you know, I, I got a chance to go to work for him. Went on the road with him, another young man and myself. We traveled with him. We were, we were his crusade team, and uh, but I remember him, you know, just I, I just I'd hang on every word. This man had been through the healing revival. He'd been through the Pentecostal outpouring. He he just knew so much. I thought I want to know what he knows. I want to absorb all I can get, you know, and uh, you know, and he he wouldn't talk to you in private. He'd just kind of sit and get quiet. So if you want anything, you got to sit in the services. So man, I'd get I'd just sit and hang on every word in every service. But I remember him saying one time, he said, you know, he said, uh, and it comes back to the presence of God, the power of God will come into manifestation, gifts of the Spirit, manifestations of the Holy Ghost. This isn't my message, this is my intro. Yeah, it's a good one. It's a good intro. It's a good one. It'll work. So I promise I'm not going to go all night. No, anyway. <laughs> so <clears throat> he said, um, um, he said, uh, he was in a church one time, ministering, doing a, one of, you know, back in the 40s and 50s, they do, you know, many week, multiple week meetings. You know, life's so busy today, we can't do those. A move of God will break out and we'll have to do meetings like yes. that. Yes. No use doing them until you have to. That's right. You just, you know, you just do a long meeting for the sake of doing a long meeting. Yeah. You just wear yourself out. Right. When the Holy Ghost is in it, you don't get wore out, you no. get refreshed. No. The right. kids come in, they still have good grades. Yeah. They're rested, they're refreshed. Yeah. Move of God breaks out, everything's different. Okay, so anyway, so he, uh, he says, uh, he said, I was at this church and he said, this pastor came you know, that I was ministering for. He said, you know, Brother Hagin, if you, you, maybe you can help us. He said, well, um, yeah. He said, I don't know. I'll try. I will if I can. He said, we so badly want the gifts of the spirit in our church. Oh, he said, we want the gifts of the spirit in our church. And I said, uh, I said, uh, he said, I, I said, well, yeah, good. He said, we prayed, we have prayed and 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 prayed. Nothing happened. So he said, we took a step further. He said, we fasted and prayed. We fasted one time for three days. Another time we fasted for seven days. Another time we fasted as a church for 14 days. And he said, for the gifts of the Spirit to operate in our church. And he said, you know, after all that, all we got was hungry. Well, he didn't say that I added that in. But... He said, we've done everything we know to do. And he said, we have yet to have one of the manifestations of the gifts of the Spirit operate in our church. Can you help us? And Brother Hagin said, yeah, I just laughed. Not at him, with him. I just laughed and said, oh, yeah, I can help you. See, these things just registered on me. He said, yeah, I can help you. He said, uh, you know, you don't get spiritual gifts operating because you fast and pray for them. He says you get them because you teach on them. Because, see, teaching produces faith. And didn't I say to you, if you'd believe, you'd see the glory of God, the manifested presence of God? He said, no, I just start taking time to teach on it. So, you know, now, a hundred years later, when I'm pastoring, well, 30, 50, whatever, um, you know, I remember that. And I'm thinking, you just so badly want to move of God. You want the gifts of the Spirit to operate, you know. And, and, you know, of course, you have to set up some system of order. You have mass chaos. 
um, with spiritual gifts. If you just leave it wide open, throw the door open, you know, anything can run in. And, and, you know, so you have to have a system of order. So God wants things done decently and in order. And that's in the context of spiritual gifts of the church. First Corinthians. So you have to teach on that too. But, but uh, anyway, so concerning manifestations, operations, demonstrations of the Holy Ghost, we praise and we worship. We, we, we um, pray. But at the same time, we've got to talk about some of these things. Why? Because the more we talk about those and teach on those, the more it produces a hunger and an expectation. And that expectation reaches out and it just reaches up into heaven and pulls something out. That's good. Okay. So I said all that to say that. Have you found 1 Corinthians 2 yet? Yes. <laughs> Man, I've used up half my time already. That's all right. We'll talk fast. Praise God. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And verse 1, Paul writing here, and he said, um, he said, and I, brethren, okay, everybody say brethren. brethren, okay, that means Christians. So he's not writing this to the world. He's not just writing this to get the lost saved. He's writing to the church. In fact, if you go back through, he's writing this to the church, not just the pastor of the church in Corinth. He's writing to the church in Corinth. In fact, if you read down the, the last verse of the chapter, he says, um, um, uh, covet earnestly the best gifts. Isn't that what he said? Covet earnestly the best gifts. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I'm thinking 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I got the wrong chapter. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, the last verse, he says, covet earnestly the best gifts and yet show unto you a more excellent way. He said, covet the gifts. Yes. Oh, we're not supposed to covet. No, you don't covet your neighbor's wife, but you do covet the gifts. Right. Strongly desire. Well, what's going to make you strongly desire them? Hearing about them. I didn't desire to get saved till I heard about salvation. I didn't desire to get filled till I heard about getting the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I didn't desire to get healed till I found out it was available. It all starts with with hearing. You can't believe what you don't know. Starts with knowledge. When people are destroyed for lack of knowledge, so he says desire. Uh, covet earnestly the best gifts. And then you jump over to chapter 14, verse 1. He says, desire spiritual gifts. Yes. Covet earnestly the best gifts. Desire spiritual gifts. Yeah. Okay. So he's writing to the church and telling them, you know, you, you, you got you to desire these things. But now he says here, and I, brethren, writing to the church. <clears throat> and uh, where I was headed with that, if you go back when he says desire spiritual gifts, covet earnestly the best gifts. If you go back, that's 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and chapter 14. He's not writing to the pastor of the church at Corinth. Yeah. Is he? No, was, that, was 1 Corinthians, was that written to the pastor of the church? No. The church. We got a private letter to the pastor of the church at Corinth. Now I want you to desire spiritual gifts. Covet, no. If you read 1 Corinthians chapter 1, he's writing to the church, the saints that be at Corinth. Yes. He's not telling the pastor to desire spiritual gifts. He's telling the church to. Pastor can't pull the whole load. And you're never going to get the whole church to desire that. But if you can get the core, if you can get the core pulling, you can, you can pull that whole freight train. If you can just get the core. You know how, do you know how important the core of a church is? The whole church is important, but do you know how important the core is? A friend of ours made this statement. He came and ministered to our ministry of helps department in our church. And he made this statement. I've never forgotten it. He said, do you know how important the core is? He said, you know, nobody ever knew what Chernobyl was until the core cracked. And he says, the church is great until the core cracks. Yeah. Long as you got the core, you can t- as long as you got the core on board, you can take it anywhere. Yeah. 
Thank God for the core. That what's, what's the core? Those are the ones you can count on. Yeah. Those are the ones that are going to be there. Those are the ones that are pulling with you, not pulling against you, not riding along in neutral. Those are the ones that are rowing the boat, not getting a ticket for a free ride. Okay. Hallelujah. Amen. I'm having trouble staying on the subject here, in case you haven't noticed. So anyway, he, so he says, brethren, I'm only two words into my message. And I, brother, three. And I, brethren... When I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. If there's anybody that could have had an excellency of speech, could have pontificated. <laughs> Dr. T.L. Osborne uses that. What? Talks about these that men that stand and pontificate. I don't even know what it is. I try not to do it. Didn't sound good. <laughs> if there's anybody that could have waxed eloquent... The Apostle Paul, man, you highly educated Pharisee of the Pharisees. He could have done it. But he says, and I, brethren, when I came to you, I came not with excellency of speech or wisdom. Yes. You know, my own wisdom of how smart I was and how good I was and how great I was and all my training and all that. He said, I didn't come with that. I, brethren, when I came to you, I came not with excellency of speech or wisdom, declaring unto you the, what? Testimony. You know, God's got a testimony. Yeah. You want everyone to have a testimony meeting, let God testify. Yeah. <laughs> well, what's your testimony? Well, I was a scoundrel and I got, uh, and I got saved and I'm a new creature in Christ. Yeah. Okay? I was lost and now I'm saved. That's my testimony. You know God's got one? I had a creation. A snake stole them. I sent my son to buy them and I got a harvest coming in and we're going to spend eternity together. That's my testimony. That's my testimony. And in the end, I win. I may have lost the battle, but I never lose the war. <laughs> Hallelujah. God, thank you. Whew. Whatever that is, it must be good. <laughs> and I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God, for I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Let me just throw a little side issue in here. You, you follow the Apostle Paul. This at Corinth is right after he was at Athens. Okay. Preached about the unknown God. Okay. Um, everywhere Paul went, he had manifestations of the Holy Ghost. When he, when he wrote to the Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, he said, and, 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 he said, and I came to you in word, and in power, yes. and in the Holy Ghost, and in much assurance. Yes. He didn't in Athens. He dis- I don't know whether he decided, I don't know what happened, but you read his account when he stood in Athens and preached about the unknown God. You don't see healings, you don't see signs, you don't see wonders, you don't see miracles, and you don't see a church. Uh, well. Every place he went in with the supernatural, he planted a church. The one place he didn't go in with the supernatural, just wise words, which is a great message. I don't mean that, and I'm not criticizing him. I don't want to have to face him on the other side and go, man, you really disrespected me down here. I'm going to clean your plow here for a minute, boy. But, just going back, looking at the track record, everywhere he went with God showing up, God showing off, manifestations of the Holy Ghost, every time he did that, he planted a church. Every time he didn't, which the only time I can find is Athens, you, know, you don't find the church at Athens planted. He just preached and moved on. Everywhere else, he left a church behind. So that's just an interesting thought. Now, and I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined... I learned my lesson in Athens. 
Now I'm in Corinth and I determined when I got to Corinth not to know anything among you saved. I'm not going to use my degrees. I'm not going to use my eloquence. I'm not going to use my training. I'm coming in with nothing but here. What am I coming in with? I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And I was with you in pride, arrogance, and pontification. No, no, he said, I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. Why? Because I know I can't do anything for you in my flesh. It's got to be not by might, not by power, but by the Spirit of God. I was with with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And now here, what we're looking for, was that verse 4? And my speech and my preaching. See, nothing replaces preaching and teaching. Doesn't matter how much of a move of God you've got, if you leave off teaching and preaching, you got nothing. Okay? If you leave off teaching and preaching, you'll have a move of God, but it'll always get off. Preaching and teaching is what keeps it in the, in the, in the boundaries of the plan of God. He said, and my, and my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but it was, what did it have? Demonstration of the Spirit. And power. Why? So that your faith will not be in the wisdom of men, but it will rest in the power of God. And the reason I'm saying this tonight is because we have hit a place again in our generation, in our nation, where we've got a generation that has basically gotten to the place where we have a great, and I don't mean this wrong, but we've gotten into idolatry. Yeah. We have turned our leaders into idols. Yeah. We all have it in one way or another. And what we need to do is get back out. If we don't watch it, he said, so that your faith won't be in the wisdom of men, but it'll be in the power of God. If we don't watch it, we get to where, you know, I got a problem. Well, let's run to so-and-so's meeting. I got a problem. Well, run to so-and-so's book. And and -and so-and-so said this and -and so-and-so. Yeah, but what did the Bible say? And we've got to get to the place when we needed something in our life. We don't have to go find somebody that has great wisdom to tell us what to do. We should have such a confidence in the power of God. Why? Because we've seen him show off. Yes. Again, nothing wrong with getting advice from folks. Nothing wrong with going to people that know more than we do and, and having them put so speak into our lives. Don't misunderstand me. But at the same time, that cannot always be our answer. We need a generation that has great confidence in the power of God so that when we run into people out there in the marketplace that have got problems, we don't have to go... I know somebody that can help you, you know. We need to go, your answer is stand right in front of you. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. I can lay hands on you in the name of Jesus. Well, am I something special? Yes, I am a child of the Most High God. I'm a son, a daughter of the Most High. Now, he said, my speech and my preaching, I'm looking for something here. Now, he said, uh, my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but it was with what? Demonstration. Demonstration of the Spirit. Demonstration of the Spirit and power. Now, it's interesting because that word demonstration, best I can tell, it's only used one time in the New Testament. As important as it must have been everywhere he went, the word demonstration is only used one time. Now, if you look up the word demonstration, you know, some dictionaries will say uh, demonstration would be uh, showing the merits of a product, product to a potential customer. Okay, like, okay, say I decided I wanted to go down and buy a new Ferrari. Which I do, but I won't. <laughs> I have a need for speed. Okay. But if I was going to do that, I have no idea what they cost, but I'm sure it's a lot. But if I was going to do that, I wouldn't go, oh, that's really a pretty car. Write it up, deliver it to my house, we'll let's sit in the driveway. If I was going to put that kind of investment into something, I'd go, give me the keys. Yeah. First take me for a ride and then switch seats with me. Because I want to know what this thing's going to do. Yeah. I want a 
demonstration. If I'm going to invest my hard-earned money into something, I want a demonstration. Okay? I mean, stop and think. You know, you know the, the, the world's changed. You don't have it as much anymore. But how many remember the days when you'd have a, a fuller brush salesman? You'd have a vacuum cleaner salesman. Uh, people would go door-to-door salesmen. And they sometimes they'd bring in a vacuum cleaner, you know, and they'd throw dirt on your carpet. You, you better pick that up. What are they doing? They're not, they're not, they don't walk up to the door and go, oh, we have a great product. If you'll come to our warehouse Sunday morning, get up early on your day off, get cleaned up, get dressed up, look very nice, come down there, and we will show you a vacuum cleaner. How many people do you think are going to go? But you walk in and go, I just threw dirt on your floor. And I'm going to demonstrate that I've got something that will get dirt out of your house. And they demonstrate it. See, the reason we're not getting more results than we're getting, we may have a lot of, we may have a lot, have a lot of gatherings, but how many conversions are we really getting? That's right. We may even have some people converting to another system of belief, but how many new births are we really having? Right. Uh, okay, I don't know. I mean, that's not my job to judge, but sometimes I look at crowds and I go... How many real births have we had in here? Yeah. I had a cousin one time wrote to me a number of years ago, and she said, I've just, conver- I've just converted to Christianity. And I'm going, uh-uh. <laughs> you can't fool me. If you really had, you'd be going, I just got born again. Yeah. She converted to the teachings of Jesus. Well, a few years later, I got a, as a cousin, I got a letter from her, email from her, and she said, I just got saved. Yeah. I said, okay, I can take that one. <laughs> so anyway... But my question is this, okay, if this is that important for, for Paul to say, everywhere I went, I had demonstration of the Spirit, okay? I came to you with demonstration of the Spirit. One, one, one I think it's the Strong's, or one, one translation says, showings off of the Holy Ghost. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you shouldn't say God shows off. Do you think God did it in a corner when he split the Red Sea? When fire fell from heaven and licked up the sacrifice in the altar, God's going, oh, now, I, I don't mean to be showy here, but, you know. <laughs> when you got the good, you can show off. And God's wanting to show off to the world what he's got because the world needs what he's got. And they don't know what he's got until he shows it off to them. So, but I'm, you know, I'm looking at that thinking, what the, the word demonstration, the best I can tell, is only used one time in the New Testament. So apparently there's some things in here. Uh, look over at... at, at um, Acts chapter 2, verse 22. Let's just take a look at where maybe it's described a little differently. Same thing, but described differently. Acts 2, verse 22. We'll look at a few verses, and then I'm just going to cover a a few things behind that, and we'll see where we go. Acts chapter 2, verse 22. You men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by demonstrations. He could have said that. But here he breaks it down a little bit. A man, I love this. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God. Do you know when God approves a man or a woman, he'll show off through him? Well, that was Jesus. Well, stick with me. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by... Now, he didn't say demonstrations, but he broke it down into what? Miracles, wonders, and signs... Which, didn't say he did it, said which what? God did by him. See, if it, Jesus never said, I'm doing it. He said, the, the Father in me, he's doing the works. Wouldn't it make sense if God never changes? Anytime he can get in a human, he'll do the same works? Yes. Oh, yeah, you think? Well, what about John 14, 12? Jesus said, verily, verily, 
When he says it twice, that means listen with both ears. <laughs> verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth. He that what? He that believeth on me. We'll see how quick these guys are. He that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he he who? He that believes on me. Or she that believes on me. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believes on me, the works that I do shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. What's going to happen when I go to my Father? I'm going to pray the Father. He's going to send the Holy Ghost. The one that came on me and enabled me to do works is going to come in you and enable you to do works. And so therefore, every believer ought to do what I do. Amen. Man, we're not just unworthy worms going to heaven, man. We have been made sons and daughters of the living most high God. And the, the spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in us. God wants, he's got to demonstrate to the world, but we're the only body he's got. Yes. We're the only mouthpiece. We're the only hands. We're the only feet. God wants to do things, but he's got to have somebody to work with him. And he's got to get the church out of this unworthy beggarly mentality to a mentality. I didn't make me what I am. He made me what I am, but what he made me is something that ought to be out making a difference, yes. putting a dent in darkness. Okay, well, let's just go a little further. How about we go to the fourth chapter of the book of Acts? Fourth chapter of the book of Acts. This is, of course, after Peter and John have been released. You know, they'd been commanded to preach and teach no more in the name of Jesus. After they got the man at the gate called Beautiful Healed. And it says, um, verse 23... Being let go, they went to their own company. Thank God for our own company. Yeah. You find your own company in a place of prayer. Yeah. Your, your, your company isn't just the people you hang out with. They're the ones you can go to when you're in trouble and they'll pray with you. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> Being let go, they went to their own company and reported all the chief priests and the elders and said to them, when they heard that, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord. They said, Behold, Lord, thou art God, which has made heaven and the earth a sea. They're, mag- they're worshiping. Yeah. What's going to happen when you worship and when you pray? But now read on a little bit. Verse 29. And now, Lord, behold their threatenings and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word. Now verse 30. By stretching forth thine hand to what? You see, they're asking for demonstrations, but they're getting more specific. By stretching forth thine hand to heal and that what? Signs and wonders may be done in the name of thy holy child, Jesus. So now we see Acts 2.22. Jesus, a man approved of God. Okay, miracles, signs, and wonders. Now we get over here, they're praying that God will stretch forth His hand and work through believers. And He said, stretch forth your hand to heal and that signs and wonders. So we're starting to see some, some patterns here. Yeah. Healings, signs, wonders, signs, wonders, miracles. He didn't use the term demonstration, but He's kind of breaking it down into some smaller pieces here. Okay, how about the 15th chapter of the book of Romans? And then we'll, we'll do that and then we'll look at one more. Romans 15th chapter. Verse verse 18. Paul writing here says, Romans 15, 18. For I will dare not to speak of any of those things which Christ has not wrought by me, to make the Gentiles obedient by word and deed. Verse 19. Through mighty signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem and round about to Illyricum, I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. Okay, so now he said that. Now look over at Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews chapter 2. And 
Verse 3 says, How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord, and was confirmed unto us by them that heard Him? Okay, he's talking about the disciples that brought the Word to us. Verse uh, 4, God also bearing them witness, both with signs and wonders, diverse miracles, and gifts or distributions of the Holy Ghost. Now again, that's just a few. We could go to verses all through the Bible. Okay, First Thessalonians, you got the same thing. Mark 16, these signs shall follow them that believe. One of them is that these signs, there'll be signs following believers. So Jesus had them, Paul had them, the disciples had them. We got them. We should have why do we need to talk about this? Because we need to get to where we're so hungry for this that we cannot be denied. We've got to pull on this. We've got to say, Father, you said it in your word. I'm so hungry for demonstrations of the Holy Ghost, but I don't know what that is, so let's break it down a little bit. We'll just real quickly run through these. Instead of demonstrations, when you go to Acts 2, Acts 4, Romans 15, Hebrews 2, he starts breaking it down into signs, wonders, miracles, and healings. Spiritual gifts, healings, okay, so he breaks it down. So, number one, we ought to be pulling on signs. Oh, I wish we had a month just on that. Oh, man. What's a sign? Well, that's easy. Do you, do you have billboards in California? See, in Tulsa, we got an ice cream place called Brahms. <laughs> got a taker back there. Yes. We've got, a, we've got a chain around Oklahoma. It's into Kansas and Missouri. It's, it's kind of spreading out, but it's called Brahms, B-R-A-U-M-S, Brahms. It's an ice cream place. And they've got this, they've got this mean trick. When it's 105 degrees in yeah. Tulsa, they put up these 40-foot billboards with a banana split in the middle. You go, man, I'm just sweating, you know? And driving down the highway, the creek turnpike, and all of a sudden you look up, here's this giant banana split, and it's talking to you. Didn't know you're hungry till you saw the banana split. And underneath it, they don't leave you like that. Underneath it, it says, next exit, turn right, one half mile. It gets you hungry and it tells you where to go to get it. It's a sign. It gets your attention and gives you direction. You know, in and out burgers. Oh, my word. I, you know, I can, I can see that sign from a mile away. They got them in Dallas now. The rest of the world's getting civilized. I'm telling you what, they got those in Dallas now. Somebody said the other day that people were lined up around the block waiting to get in through that place. Well, now think about this, though. God, with signs, what's a sign to it? Get your attention, and it, gives you, it gets your attention, and it points you somewhere. Okay? I mean, for instance, back there, remember in... Uh, in uh, John, uh, Acts the third chapter. Man at the gate called beautiful. Peter and John walk through there. Okay. Uh, man looks up expecting to receive something of them. Peter says, look on us. Looks on us. He said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have. Give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up, walk. Took, in the na- he's, he's pointing him to somebody, to Jesus. I can't do anything for you, but I know somebody that can. Takes him by the right hand, pulls him to his feet. His feet and his ankle bones receive strength. He, he jumps to his feet and he runs into the temple, running, leaping, and praising God. Okay, now think about that. When he's preaching to all those men in that prayer meeting in the temple, he said, this man whom ye see and know. He could have healed, God could have healed somebody from across town, dragged him into church and said, I just got healed. And they'd have gone, yeah, sure, of course, whatever. But they've been walking by this guy for 40 years. 
Religion couldn't help him for 40 years. They know who he is. They've been throwing coins in that cup over there. They've given him enough for a meal to get him by. And all of a sudden, he's running, leaping, and praising God. God did that as a sign. He wanted the man healed, but at the same time, he did it as a sign. Oh, man, I'll tell you what. We're, 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 God, we're, I love how God does signs. We were in Munich, Germany one time doing a conference over there. All of a sudden, Spirit of God. I mean, I, I closed my eyes and I saw this set of, I, I couldn't even describe it, a set of lungs and a, a diseased condition in them. I don't have that happen that way very often where I see it, but I did. And I just said, you know, and I got up to take the service and I said, before we go any further, I described what I saw in these lungs and I knew it was a, 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 a problem from birth. And these two ladies came walking down there. And this lady said, through the interpreter, this lady said, this is my, I think her sister, and she told me what the condition was, and she said, you described it exactly. She was born with this condition. It's about to take her life. And I said, well, and she, never, she said, she's never been to a church service like this before. She goes to a, to a state church, and, and she's never been to a service like this. And I said, well, I said, God loves you. That's how much he loves you. Yes. And I, she took a couple deep breaths and instant, instantly, instantly, a condition from birth. I mean, just instantly gone. Huh. You talk about a sign. Man, her eyes got real big. Now, sad to say, she went back to her church and her pastor told her that had to be the devil. God doesn't do things like that anymore. And within a couple months time, it came back on and she died. But I'll tell you, God never leaves himself without a witness. Tried to tell her, don't go back. Don't go back there. My goodness. Remember Jesus healed the guy and said, don't go back to town? That's scriptural. Sometimes you need to tell people, don't go back there. If they're going to suck faith out of you, don't go back. If they're not going to put something in, don't let them take anything out. But anyway, 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 we're doing another meeting. We're doing a meeting in New Jersey years ago. In the middle of the service, all of a sudden I said, I said, somebody here, I said, I don't know any, I don't know any details. I just know you're having problems with your lungs, your breathing problems, real severe breathing problems, whoever you are. Whoever that is, come up here. And I waited, and I waited, and I waited, and I waited, and I waited. Finally, these two ladies come walking up this aisle right here. And one of them, as they round the corner, I can hear one of them. I can hear every breath she takes. Her lungs just rattling. I mean, it was bad. And, and I looked at her, and I said, you got to be the one. God loves you. I'm just talking to her. And she's just standing there staring at me. And the lady with her said, uh, she doesn't speak any English. And I said, what does she speak? She said, I don't know. I said, who is she? She said, I don't know. I said, what's wrong with her? She said, I don't know. She said, you called that out. I was sitting there. I heard her breathe and I figured it had to be her. So I took her by the hand and, and I led her up here. I said, what well, do you know what language she speaks? She said, I don't have a clue. I don't know anything about this lady. I can't get an interpreter. I don't know who this lady is. Now, this area we were at was a melting pot of cultures. People from all over the world lived in this area. And this church was a, was a, a combination of people from all over the world. So I looked at her and I thought, I can't talk to her. If I lay hands on her, she might slap me. I don't know. I don't, you know she, I don't know, man. I don't know what to do. So I looked at her and you know, you know, sign language. I finally went. <laughs> she looked at me. She went. We have, we have contact. And she just stood there and looked at me. And I went, I thought, well, I'm not quitting now. So I went. And she went. And her lungs are just rattling, you know. And the third, I thought, I will stand here and take deep breaths until the rapture. I am not giving up on this lady. About the third or fourth time, I went like that. She took a deep breath and... 
instantly just like that. Her lungs cleared up. The rattling stopped. Her eyes got as big as saucers. She looked at me and I thought, honey, I'm sorry. I can't tell you what happened. I don't even know what language you speak and I'm still working on English. I can't help you a bit. She smiled and headed back for a seat. You know, I, you, what, what was it? I don't know what that was for, but trust me, she knew God had done something for her. Maybe somebody later on found out what she spoke. And I don't know. But God's in the sign business. We might as well get ready. God wants to do some demonstrations. He wants to do some signs to get people's attention that will point them to Jesus. What about wonders? What's a wonder? I wondered about that. If they had them back then, we need them today, but we ought to know. And, and, and now, let me explain something here. Don't get so technical you miss the Spirit of God. Well, is this a sign? Is this a wonder? Is this a miracle? I don't really care. But at the same time, we ought to be trusting God and expecting all of these. What's a wonder? It's something that makes everybody wonder. Now, that's in the Greek, the Hebrew, or anything else. Maybe, I don't know. Wonder is something, what, what do you mean by that? Okay, uh, for instance, it's something you just can't explain. It just makes, it just, it gets people's attention and makes them wonder. There was, there was a, we, we'd heard about this, this man and I, I didn't know anything about him. Um, goodness, I got to get stopped here. I didn't, I didn't know anything. I heard about this guy and, and I heard, you know, doc, anybody here of Dr. T.L. Osborne? <coughs> We, a number of years ago, we had the chance to, to visit with him a little bit. And I said, Brother Osborne, I, I want to ask you something. He said, well, sure, what's that? And I said, there was a man that I heard about, and he smiled. He goes, yeah, I can already tell you who it is. I thought, wow, word of knowledge. No, it's just everybody always asks him about it. He said, uh, he said uh, yeah, he said, my wife's name was Daisy. He said, my sister's name was Daisy. And he said, my sister Daisy traveled, ministered, preached, prayed for the sick, just like I did and do. I said, yeah. He said, um, she was doing a meeting somewhere in Oklahoma and said there was a man that came in there. And he said, uh, this man came into the, and she's just laying hands on the sick. And she said, what's wrong with you? And he says, well, I can't see. I'm blind. And she goes, well, in the name of Jesus, be healed. And said, can you see? Yes, I can see. She said, okay, good. She goes on, keeps praying for people. Well, she found out later that the unusual part about this miracle was the reason the man couldn't see was because he didn't have an eyeball. He had a glass eye. And all of a sudden... He can see through the glass eye. Now that's a wonder. Is that from your part of the country? Yeah, the man came to the little church I grew up in and gave his testimony. His name was Brother Coyne. Brother Coyne. So you, you came to your church, you saw the man. Well, I, that's cool. And he had a glass eye still. He popped his eyeball out. Yeah. And read the Bible. And read the Bible. And read the Bible. Covered up, my dad, covered up, covered up my the, dad covered up his your dad eyeball. covered up his real eyeball and he read and he took the eyeball out. Yes. See, what happened was he would go around and people would come up. He'd read the Bible. He'd read driver's yes. licenses. Yes. It was a continuing wonder. Wow. And, and what happened was some very religious pontificating people. Yes. Come on. Come on. Anyway, they decided that this couldn't be real. God couldn't do things like that today. That doesn't happen today. So what had happened was medical science had come up with a new design of a glass eye that could see. And they, they started spreading this around that the reason he can read through that glass eye is because it's a new development. I'm thinking, well, how come he's the only one's got one? You know, religion can get itself really dumb sometimes. And uh, so, so, 
So he's saying that they were, they were, you know, so people were spreading this, trying to, to nullify the results. And, and, and so the next meeting he went to, he said, well, you know, some people say that, you know, that I, I could read because this, you know, this is a special glass eye that, you know, it's a little camera and it can feed into my brain and I can see or whatever. And he said, you know, just so you know, God really has worked in a miracle. He covered up his real eye and he popped the eyeball out, laid it down and read. That's why you saw that. That's why he did that was because they were saying it was a special glass eye. So he said, okay, we'll take it down. Take it out and I'll read anyway. Now that's what you call a wonder. I remember Brother Hagin telling about a man in his church in East Texas years ago that um, the man had fell off an oil. He worked in the oil fields, fell off an oil derrick and just, I mean, had a, broke every bone in his body. And anyway, had and, uh, um and basically hung between life and death for a number of days. And, and suddenly, you know, he found out later he went over to heaven and, and Brother Hagin was praying outside his hospital door. And he, he went over to heaven and, and Jesus, he's meeting Jesus. He's so glad to be there. And Jesus said, can't stay. He said, what do you mean I can't stay? He said, you can't stay. He said, why can't I stay? He said, Brother Hagin won't let you. And he pulled back a screen and Brother Hagin's going, no, Lord, I need him down here. He can't. He's got to come back. He said, you got to go back. You can't stay. So he sent him back and said, when he got back. When, when he came to, he had had a miracle and every bone in his body wow. was healed. Now, that's great, except if I've got my story correct. It's been a long time, but if I've got my story correct, except that one elbow was demolished. It wasn't just broken. It was disintegrated. There wasn't even an elbow there. And so they x-rayed that elbow. Everything else is well, but this one elbow, they x-rayed it, and there wasn't even an elbow there. They said, well, we'll just set it, and you just decide whether you want it straight or, or bent or whatever, because wherever it heals up, that's where it's going to stay, because we can't do anything. It's just, it's, just, it's just pulverized the whole joint, all that bone in there. And said, they took the cast off, and he's doing this. And they said, no, you, you can't do that. He says, Sorry. No, no, you can't do that. And he said, yeah, yeah, I can. And they said, no, here are the x-rays. There is no elbow there. He said, I can't help that. Yeah. It works. Yeah. I, can do that. I can do that. And if I recall right, they said, well, you can't do that. And we have the x-rays to prove it. And we're putting you on disability because you don't have an elbow from that accident. He goes, I don't want disability. My elbow works. I do not want it. And they said, don't care if you want it or not. You're getting it because you don't have an elbow. You can't bend that elbow. And he said, but I can. <laughs> Tried, tried to talk him out of his disability. And they refused to accept it, so they gave him disability insurance, and he just kept going back to work it. And he spent the rest of his life with an elbow working that wasn't there. Now that's a wonder. Because the doctors are going, I wonder how he does that. Oh, and we could just go on and on. There are just some things. God, God does some wonders. Just get everybody. You, don't you think it made everybody wonder when the sun and the moon stood still? In the ministry of, of Joshua. Don't you think the whole world wondered when the sundial backed up 10 degrees? God stopped the rotation of the earth, backed it up 10 degrees, and then jump-started it again. Signs, wonders. What about miracles? Miracles. Miracles can be defined as, uh, as a violation of natural laws. That means something that God does that wouldn't get done if God didn't do it. Oftentimes, miracles are more of the creative order. Oh, you know, I mean, first person I ever saw healed. I was in a meeting in, uh, just outside Albany, New York. I was meeting in a big farmhouse. We were having home Bible studies. And, uh, you know, I just got done with one night and I said, anybody want to be healed? And this lady said, I do. It was the, the people I was staying with in that farmhouse. It was the, the, the lady's mother. And I said, what's wrong with you? I got trouble with my back. Went over and laid hands on her and said, be healed in the name of Jesus. 
Well, got word there too later. She called back. She went back home, called back, said she's perfectly healed. Well, what I didn't know was she'd had an arthritic condition, deterioration of the spine. God didn't, he not only healed her, he recreated everything in her back that was off. That's creative. I thought, woo, that's pretty cool. First healing I've ever seen. It was creative, man. Let's just, where are we going from here? You know, but I, you know, I could just tell you things. We had a, a lady in, uh, we were in Colorado doing a meeting and, um, this lady, and people are being healed all over the room. I'm just taking the mic interviewing them. I got nothing to do with it. The lady comes running to the front. She's doing toe touches. She's doing toe touches. I said, well, that's cool. She must be getting a healing in her back. I walked over and I said, uh, what's happening with you? She said, my back, my back is healed. It's healed. I said, that's really cool. Praise God. She said, no, you don't understand. She said, I have metal rods in my back. I don't know if they disappeared, dissolved. Or just got flexible. I don't know what it was, but here's a lady that's got metal rods in her back and she's doing toe touches like that. Sorry, a year later, husband said, I got a brand new wife. I'm telling you what, she's just pain free, totally well. I don't know. We had a meeting in our church a number of years back. Same thing. We got a healing line. Ladies at the end down here, I'm laying hands on people at this end just to show you I had nothing to do with it. Presence of God came on her. I'm looking over, she's doing toe touches. I walked over and I said, sister, what's going on over here? She said, my back. She said, it's well, I'm healed. She said, oh, I've been in pain for years. I said, that's great. She said, no, you don't understand. I have metal rods in my back. And she's doing toe touches. I said, well, keep doing toe touches. I said, you can do better ones than I can. Just keep right up. She's probably in her mid-60s, I was mid to late 60s. And, um, and I said, well, that's really neat. And she said, yeah. She said, I just need a little more. She said, I, I have... So much I have to do. I have to take care of a husband that's, that's an invalid. And she said, I, I, need, she said, I needed this healing in my back. And, and she said, but if God could just do a few more things. I said, like what? And she said, well, she said, I, just, I haven't been able to do this for years. I need to be able to bend my neck. And, and I said, you haven't been able to do what? She said this. And I said, what? And she said, oh, oh. Man, that lady got an overhaul. I'm telling you what. Recreated all that stuff that was messed up in her back. We might as well get ready for it. Jesus healed the the sick, the halt, the lame. He healed the maimed. Maimed maimed means dismembered. Jesus replaced body parts. Best we can tell. Well, what do you think about that man in John the ninth chapter? Man that, you know, Jesus spit in the dirt, made clay of the spittle, anointed the man's eyes. We don't know. Legend tells us the reason he made that he spit and made mud and put it in there. Legend tells us we won't know till we get to the other side and meet the guy. But legend tells us the reason Jesus made mud is because we're made from the dust of the earth. And the man was born without eyeballs. And Jesus just put mud in his eyes and he got a new set. We don't know for sure, but there's a great expectation that that's what happened there. Jesus gave him a whole new set of eyes. Oh, man. A friend of mine was preaching in a, in a church you know, a few years back, and he was talking about God doing miracles. And he said, you know, there was a, I heard, he said, I heard about a case in, in, uh, during the healing revival where a man was preaching. And he said, he looked back, saw a man in a wheelchair and said, uh, sir, come up here. God shows me to pray for you. They started, somebody started rolling the guy up in that wheelchair. And as he got to the front, he realized it wasn't what he thought. It wasn't just that he was paralyzed. He didn't have legs. And he said, uh, well, all I know is God showed me to pray for you. So he laid hands on the guy. And they said his pant legs began to unroll. And, net, and, and legs began to form. Wow. And down to the ankles and out to the feet. And he talked about this man getting a brand new set of legs in front of everybody. And, you know, and he said, after the service, a, a, a gentleman came up and said, just thought you might like to know that's a true story. He said, well, how do you know it's a true story? He said, because the preacher was my dad. And I was in the service and saw the whole thing. 
Smith Wigglesworth had a guy come into his... Uh, actually, he was staying in some people's home. The man in the home walked on crutches. He was born without feet, didn't have any feet. Wigglesworth turned to him one day and said, Go down to the store and buy a pair of, sh- buy a pair of shoes. He could have said, Yeah, all right, in your dreams. I'm not going to the store and buy... But he went. Went down there, ordered a pair of shoes. And uh, said they put one on the end of his leg where there was no foot. Said he picked that leg up, stomped it. When he did, instantly a foot formed inside. Put the other one on, picked the leg up, stomped his leg down. Instantly a foot formed in that one. Left the crutches behind, paid for the shoes and walked out a whole man. (laughs) Miracles. All through. Acts 2, Acts 4. Romans 15, Hebrews 2, miracles are all the way through. We might as well get pulling on heaven for signs, wonders, miracles. What are healings? Healings are just a recovery from a diseased condition. And we ought to see those. Those ought to just be copious. Those things ought to be happening all the time. But I'm just telling you, I'm just telling you, if that's what God did all through the New Testament and we're still in the New Testament, then we ought to be seeing these things. Let's get just real hungry for those. I've gone long enough. We need to stand. Blessed are the short-winded, for they shall be heard again. <laughs> Too late. I already missed, I missed that boat. You're a great exception. That's a sign of the Lord. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Hallelujah. Well, <clears throat> glory to God. Glory to God. Glory Hallelujah. to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah.